In 2019, Kim Alton of Payson, Arizona, went to Banner MD Anderson Cancer Center in Gilbert, Arizona for her annual mammogram. During the visit, medical staff offered her the option to have genetic testing for cancer, an easy process that often involves collecting a saliva sample. Kim, who's 56 now, has been a practicing registered nurse for 34 years. She was interested in the opportunity right away, but not only because of her medical background. Both my aunts um, had breast cancer, and my maternal great-grandmother had breast cancer, and I thought, well, this will be good to know. Genetic testing can help determine whether someone and their family has a higher risk of passing certain genetic disorders to their children or developing certain cancers based on a hereditary predisposition. Reviewing those results with a genetic counselor can offer options to help identify signs of cancer early and further decrease your risk of the disease. On my paternal side, my grandmother had ovarian cancer. So I said, okay. So we went through the testing and it took probably about 10 minutes to do. Once Kim's saliva was carefully collected, medical staff shipped it off to a lab. When her results returned about three weeks later, she met with a genetic counseling team at Banner MD Anderson to go over the results. Those results weren't exactly what Kim hoped to hear, to say the least. Yet they weren't completely shocking, given her family's history with cancer. I was really surprised that I actually was given a percentage. So between 45% and I think it was 83% chance of developing breast cancer in my lifetime. And that's, you know, that's right in your face. And it's like, okay, when is that going to happen? It was this pivotal moment that interested me most for this episode suddenly gaining such insight on your potential future. It's what I envisioned before sitting down with Kim as something that would change her life forever. One of those moments that instantly divides your life into two categories, before I knew and after. Well, you know what they say about assumptions, right? This is Banner Health Storytelling Podcast, Bedside Stories, highlighting some of the most emotionally compelling experiences that take place behind the scenes in healthcare. Today, we bring you episode 13, the flashlight option. Just a disclaimer, for those who might be listening with children, we'll be talking about breasts and parts of the breast during this podcast, since many women and some men undergo genetic testing for this disease. We'll get into details on genetic testing shortly. First though, here's one of my biggest takeaways from what I've learned about it so far. It's really, really hard to find a metaphor or an analogy to describe it. Some people just want answers to determine how to best deal with their health. But if you're someone with high anxiety, deciding whether to have genetic testing might be akin to opening Pandora's box, at least at first. Instead of focusing on the benefits of finding out potentially difficult news, like being able to take preemptive measures if you have a genetic mutation, you might find yourself gnawed by worries over future outcomes that aren't even guaranteed. Jennifer Seatman, a genetic counselor at Banner MD Anderson, helps patients who feel this way learn to move past that internal struggle and stop focusing on the negatives. Jennifer uses an entirely different analogy for genetic testing that's easy to understand. And so I've sometimes told my patients that if you think about it like an ostrich who sticks their head in the sand when a lion's coming at them, if you keep your head stuck in the sand, that lion's coming regardless of whether you see it or not. Um, But if you can see the lion, if you can stare that lion down, maybe you have a chance to dodge. Maybe you can get by with just a scrape. Um, And it's scary. It's scary to stare that lion down. But, you know, that's it helps, it gives us a chance, and it gives us more control over what our likelihood is to be severely hampered by that mutation. And I think that's the 
biggest thing that genetic testing brings. And I think as counselors, we try to, to emphasize that and bring that out for patients and try to give them the tools to take control of that. So to find a way to use that information to their benefit, to their family members' benefit, and to try to catch those cancers as early as possible. And there's been lots of data to show that while finding a mutation doesn't necessarily decrease the incidence of cancer all the time, it certainly decreases the mortality from cancer. And that's a big deal. Some celebrities have used their high-profile platform to educate others about genetic testing, just like actress Angelina Jolie did several years ago. After her mother died relatively young from breast and ovarian cancer, Jolie underwent genetic testing and learned she inherited a gene mutation. That put her at high risk for developing breast and ovarian cancer herself. Dubbed the Angelina Jolie effect by the media, her story made a big impact on many people, particularly women who in turn sought out genetic testing as an option to prevent these cancers. So let's dive into the ins and outs of genetic testing for a bit. Roughly 5-10% to 10 of cancer is inherited, just like it is in Kim's family. When people like Kim have a genetic predisposition, they have a far higher chance of developing cancer within their lifetime and at an earlier age. The Clinical Cancer Genetics Program at Banner MD Anderson coordinates cancer risk assessments, genetic testing, and cancer surveillance and management for people at higher risk. So what does a consultation with a genetic counselor involve? In Kim's case, she already had the screening done in advance and arrived for her appointment to go over the results. But let's say you're not sure about having the test and just want to go over your options. You'll have what's called a cancer risk assessment. A genetic counselor will discuss genetic testing for you and your family to consider. If you choose to have the test, your results will be ready in about two to four weeks. Then you'll return for a consultation. Genetic counselors will review your results and personal medical history, along with the likelihood of any predisposition in your family. This info helps to create a family tree of sorts. Then they'll go over all the methods available to reduce your risk of cancer. Here's Kim to describe her experience. So we sat down and we went through that. And uh, then we sat down and looked at what each thing and what the percentage was for that. So you get a whole, I mean, it was like 14 pages long, my printout that she gave me of, you know, what does it look like? What are the symptoms? What um, is your risk factor? You know. It was very informative. I mean, I, I probably read it five times when I got the paperwork. <laughs> and they probably t helped you to determine... Your plan of action. Right. And talk to you about sort of mm -hmm. the pros and help you to understand the pros right. and cons, right? Right. And make your own decision, of course. Right, right. right? I mean, you right. never felt like you were being swayed one way Oh, gosh, no. Not at all. Not at all. It, it was really informative. Discussions might include screening strategies, chemotherapy prevention, and prophylactic surgery. Prophylactic surgery means removing an organ or gland that shows no signs of cancer in an attempt to prevent development of cancer of that organ or gland. As needed, patients are referred to high-risk screening clinics for further discussion and long-term follow-up. Here's Rebecca Luton, who's also a genetic counselor for Banner MD Anderson. The majority of people we have tested um, have tested negative, which can sometimes feel like maybe that's not helpful information, but that very much is helpful information. It tells women that they are not at an increased risk. They don't have a gene. It's not something they need to be um, overly concerned about and certainly not something they could pass on to their kids or, or you know, things like that. And so that can be very helpful. Um, we typically expect that about 5 to 10% of our patients are going to test positive, and that's what we're seeing in the CARE program. The CARE program is a Banner MD Anderson pilot project designed to better identify women, like Kim, 
who are at high risk of breast cancer and help them learn about preventative options. This involves asking patients additional questions about family history during annual mammogram questionnaires, identifying those who might benefit from genetic testing and offering them the option to give a saliva sample that same day. Here's Rebecca. They're getting that testing and that information, but they don't have to come back a second time. I also think it's unique because I don't think it's particularly routine for most physicians or most mammogram centers to ask these questions and to screen these um, women. And so, again, these are women that might have been missed because no one was paying attention to what their risk was. And, and now they have that information and can use that moving forward. For the 5 to 10% of patients who test positive, the resulting advantages are huge. We're seeing some women who have a risk high enough that they can even take advantage of prophylactic surgeries. So we are having some women who can take advantage of doing um, prophylactic mastectomies or ophorectomies. We're having women who screen high risk to have um, extra screenings for their breasts, so maybe adding in breast MRIs in addition to mammograms. Um, and then we're seeing people screen with risks that are outside of their breasts, um, so maybe things like extra colonoscopies, um, extra skin exams, things that they may not have otherwise realized they were at risk for. We've seen them tell their families, and we've seen other family members come in for testing. So people who at all would never have been approached or screened had their family member not come through this program. Several risk factors can lead Banner MD Anderson to recommend a patient get genetic testing. I think it's important to go over these, so bear with me. These include cancer that occurs at an earlier age than most people, two or more different cancers in the same person, two or more close family members who have had the same type of cancer, for example, a mother and sister with breast cancer, or father and daughter with colorectal cancer. It could include the same type of cancer in several generations of the family, Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry, Eastern or Central European, with breast or colorectal cancer, polyposis, which involves multiple polyps in the stomach or intestines, rare cancers such as sarcoma or male breast cancer, and finally, concerns about developing cancer because of family history. In Kim's case, she discovered her chances of developing breast cancer were relatively high, between 45 to 83%. It's kind of in your face when you get those results, and it really makes you examine yourself and your life, and you say, okay, so if I were to get breast cancer in the next year, how would that change my life? Or when I have my MRI, if they detect something and I have that treated, how is it going to change my life? So it really took me out of the role of being a, a provider as a nurse practitioner and being the patient. So now I have the knowledge and um, I had to be a person. And you know, I took a day and cried and cried and cried and got through it and said, okay, so now what are you gonna do? Instead of staying upset about the results, Kim quickly changed her perspective to view this new knowledge as a way to help her keep a closer eye on her health moving forward. One of the medical recommendations was for her to get a mammogram every year. She was already doing that, so no change was really needed there. A new recommendation was to get an MRI done six months after each annual mammogram, so she started doing that. So I know I need to watch for it, so if I have a breast change, so if I have pain, if I have nipple discharge, if my skin changes, when it looks different, if something changes, I'm going to be on it, you know, right away and see my provider and see who I need to see and just be more vigilant about it. And now it's like, you know, I'm just doing one more thing a year for my management and it's not going to change it. So if, let's say, let's play the other side, let's say I didn't do that and I then waited a whole year to get my mammogram when it could actually have been picked up six months earlier. 
So I, I feel like my odds are better because that is what we know now. Here's Rebecca. I think there are people who are fearful of doing genetics because they're afraid that once they get a result, we're going to force them into something they're not ready for or they don't want. Um, and again, that's not our intention or our goal with this in any way, shape, or form. A large part of what we do when someone has a mutation is we talk a lot about what the recommendations are, and then we spend a lot of time figuring out what plan fits best with that patient. And so if they're not ready for that surgery, that's okay. Then maybe we start on that screening and we get them started. One of Kim's recommended options was prophylactic breast surgery, the removal of one or both breasts. She gave it some careful consideration and decided instead to keep a close eye on her breast health through other options mentioned earlier. Here's Jennifer. So I think the media right now has a lot of portrayal of if you have one of these gene mutations, you get your breasts removed or you get a bilateral mastectomy. And that's not always the case. So a lot of times there's increased screening that we can do. And a lot of the data is showing that when women choose whether they want to have surgery or not, it's about a 50-50 split. She said most patients who choose prophylactic surgery feel deeply satisfied with their decision. This is a case that always sticks with me. And I had a patient where we did genetic testing for her. She previously had breast cancer and we did genetic testing for her. And she was found to have a BRCA1 mutation. Part of those recommendations are to have our ovaries removed. She went and had her ovaries removed and they found ovarian cancer at the time. But it was like stage one, very small very easy to treat. And she called me afterwards and she's like, you saved my life. And I was like, oh, well, that's a bit of a big like statement, right? But she explained to me that she found this early stage ovarian cancer, like it was going to be cured, like she was going to be fine. And she calls me a lot to like, just give me updates on her life because she's like, well, I feel like you need to, you should know what I'm doing with my life because I have more of it now. And she was so grateful. What are some of the misconceptions that people have about genetic testing in general? I think the biggest misconception we see is that this is expensive and it's not going to be covered by their insurance. Um, And for a long time, that was the truth. Like, it was a very expensive thing to do when I first started. It was going to be thousands of dollars. Insurance had very specific criteria. There were insurances that had genetic exclusion policies. And all of that is gone because genetics is becoming such a major part of our care just in general for everything, not just cancer. And things like 23andMe and Ancestry have brought genetic testing to the house and has brought genetic testing to patients. Um, And so people are aware of this and people want this information. And I think that's really caused this explosion in genetic testing to happen. And it's decreased um, cost of genetic testing along with like medical advancements in the field, but it's decreased the cost, it's increased the likelihood of insurance to cover that genetic testing. I would say most of my patients that I see pay um, zero to a hundred dollars for genetic testing if they meet their insurance's criteria. Jennifer says another misconception is that the father's side of the family doesn't count when it comes to breast cancer genes. In fact, the genes can be passed down from both sides of the family. And then I think the other big misconception is that this can actually hurt our chances of getting um, health insurance down the line. Um, that's And that was a concern a while ago, but in 2008, a federal law was passed called GINA. She stands for the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act, and she prohibits health insurance from discriminating based on genetic test results. So her protection has been a huge help, but I still get questions on that all the time about, like, is my insurance going to drop me if I test positive for this? 
Rebecca emphasizes there are quite a few differences between using at-home testing kits compared to the kind of comprehensive genetic testing Banner MD Anderson performs. Here's just one example. 23andMe will only look at three mutations in the BRCA genes. We look at 23 genes at minimum, usually looking at 34, lots of genes and lots of mutations, the full gene altogether. What a fascinating world that we live in, though, that, you know, I guess it was 20, 30 years ago, we probably couldn't have. We never would have had these questions that we can now be posed of ourselves to be able to say, do I want to know my odds of getting, you know, various types of cancer, or do I not want to know? Again, just the fact that we can pose that question to ourselves and be able to make a decision and find that out is really fascinating that in a, you know, what ultimately maybe 30 years ago would have been considered like fortune telling for lack of a better way to put it, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. You know? I remember when I was, so I did jet counseling school in like the Stone Age. Um, so I graduated in 2011 and um, it's, it's really old for genetics, okay? <laughs> like genetics moves so fast. It was very much this ignorance is bliss kind of like world and it was very difficult to convince people to get genetic testing. Everyone was scared of it. It was it was a very difficult world to do genetic testing in. Um, and it's a lot of it was ignorance is bliss. Do I really want to know? And I remember being taught that you tell patients that genetics are not a crystal ball. Like you can't use this to predict things. And now we're being told the opposite, that genetics really is a crystal ball because it's gotten so much better, so much more accurate, so much more predictive, um, that it's not a guarantee of anything, but it gets us even closer to like knowing what to expect. So at the end of the day, here's my own simple analogy for genetic testing. You're moving through a big shadowy room and have a flashlight in your hand. You're not scared or anything because you can feel the ground and see your way around enough to keep going. In fact, you don't really even have to use the flashlight, but it's an option. Now, it's possible that light might illuminate something on your path ahead you hadn't noticed before. Maybe it's something you would have otherwise stumbled over without knowing. Or who knows, maybe you would have sidestepped it all together anyway, even without the benefit of your flashlight. It's really up to you. Do you want to shine more light to see what might be on your path ahead in hopes of better avoiding any obstacles, or do you feel quite comfortable moving forward and dealing with whatever might pop up as it happens? Here's Jennifer. I think the biggest thing about the genetic counseling aspect of genetic testing is really helping patients to try to come to terms with that mutation, um, to not be afraid of it, but instead use it to empower themselves mm -hmm. and to empower their ability to take control of that mutation um, and not let it take control of them. Um, and so, yeah, we might not be able to fix that mutation yet. Um, we may not be able to stop that mutation from increasing our risk for cancer, but we can use it as a roadmap on where to go. On that note, we'll leave you today with these thoughts from Kim, now that she's had plenty of time to think about her test results. So maybe, a, you know, kind of a weird question, but like since then, I mean, do you do you think of life differently now? I mean, do you feel, does it feel any... Is... You know, I think it's part of just being in my 50s. I've thought of life differently. I mean, part of why we moved to Payson was to slow down and to enjoy the quality of our life and, and be in the fresh air and be somewhere beautiful on a daily basis. And so I think that's just reinforced all of that. You know, whatever I go through now, it's only going to help me and my family and my patients because I've walked that path with them. 
For Banner Health, I'm Corey Schubert, and this is Bedside Stories. If you like this episode, we invite you to click on that subscribe button for this podcast. You can also check out all of our previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform. For information on genetic counseling at Banner MD Anderson, call 480-256-4363. Production support is provided by Eric Joel LaFuente and David Lozano. For more information about Banner Health, visit us online at bannerhealth.com. Until next time, thanks so much for listening.